Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on into a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante. We're doing the pod between Anthony Volpe dingers. He just went yard to lead off today's game at Bradenton. I can't wait for a month from now when I'm able to say at a major league stadium instead of at Bradenton. But our boy is still yanking dingers out. Rafael Ortega, my stated goal is getting him the left field job at some point this year. My starting left fielder, Rafael Ortega, also went yard. We're here to talk about Volpe, as we always do, and as we will continue to every single episode in a dedicated segment to chat about uh, the number one prospect, number one prospect for a reason. We're going to round him up later. Plus, the other players who've impressed us so far at spring training, Hint, Wandy Peralta, and his use of the pitch clock will make my personal list. That guy loves the freaking pitch clock. Some bad news, too, though. A couple catcher injuries, and you know it's not good when you have a couple injuries at the same position. Austin Wells laid up for a while. Josh Bro down for the count. So that means more reps for Carlos Narvaez, yesterday's walk-off hero. Kyle Higashioka is going to the WBC. We are literally out of catchers. Plus the Dodgers, who have it way worse than us in the injury department right now, knock on wood. We have some solutions for them via the trade market. Fans are screaming about yesterday's lineup. Calling it the opening day lineup, we said don't panic. Michael K made everybody panic. We'll break that down. And Josh Donaldson's excuses for last season do not hold water. All that and more on this episode, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Drop us a five-star review. Drop us a mailbag question. In that review, we will be more than happy to take it on a future podcast and find us streaming live Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern, every week, all off-season long. Hopefully into the regular season, uh, maybe we get some more podcasts on the books. I say ho- hopefully. I mean, we're going to do that same schedule into the regular season, but maybe additional podcasts. Uh, it's nice to see you. Nice to see the viewers joining. Nice to see the chat getting active. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. And I know you have a very special promo to kick us off with today. 
I do, folks. Uh, welcome on in. Uh, DraftKings has a gift for us. Um, right when betting season for, you know, we've had a little bit of reprieve from the betting season. The NFL, the, the NFL year ended. Um, uh, NBA is kind of boring right now. We got baseball spring training heating up. So DraftKings, for new users, um, if you use the code YANKSGOYARD, again, that is YANKSGOYARD, just like the website, you bet $5 on any sport, you get $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins. Pretty simple. Um, what do we have coming up right now? We got the Arnold Palmer Invitational if you're into golf. Um, college basketball, big Saturday coming up um, as we gear up for the uh, conference tournaments ahead of the, uh, the, the big dance. Um, if you're a true sicko, you could bet on spring training baseball. I did that one year. Uh, really wouldn't recommend it, um, especially if you're expecting the lineups to actually uh, exist for longer than an inning. They usually don't. Um, and the pitchers get yanked after one inning, so you can't use the lineup cards as any sort of guidance when placing your bets. So, again, code Yanks Go Yard, bet $5 on any sport, get $150 in bonus bets. Um, if your bet wins, it's a minimum $5 deposit, and the wager is required. New customers only, 21 years uh, and older, present in New York, New Jersey, or Connecticut. Connecticut. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY if you're in New York. Um, in New Jersey, it's call text 1-800-GAMBLER if you're dealing with some issues. Um, in Connecticut, you got to call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Very complicated. I'll read that for you again, folks, in Connecticut if you're having trouble. 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Please gamble responsibly. I can't recommend it enough. We've we've all been there. Um, but this is fun. You hit one bet, hundred fifty dollars in free uh, in um in bonus bets. It'll be a good time. Um, um, yeah, by being responsible, that means probably don't touch the spring training games. But again, yeah. we can't tell you we can't tell you what to do there. Whatever you want to do, get your uh, five dollar bet on any sport. Use code Yanks Go Yard. No spaces in there in that code. The same way yep. the web address. Like you're typing in the web address. Go to YanksGoYard.com. Type it in to DraftKings, get $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins. Let's talk about betting on the catcher position uh, because yeah. the Yankees have yet to lose their starter for any length of time. Jose Trevino is still that guy. Kyle Higashioka, the dedicated backup. Uh, he'll be here uh, as soon as the World Baseball Classic is over. Michael Kay revealed the other day on a broadcast that he was battling a little injury too, some hamstring issues, which was news to us, but he still played. Uh, he played in yesterday's quote-unquote opening day lineup that had everybody freaking out. So uh, it's nice to see him, but he is reportedly going to the World Baseball Classic to be the Team USA third-string catcher. Trevino's still here. He can't catch every day during the regular season, let alone during spring training. We're not going to make him do that. So somebody's going to have to catch every other game for the remainder of the month of March. They were hoping it was going to be Ben Rortvet. He had finger issues, and it turned out it was actually an aneurysm in his shoulder. Uh, his fingers are still reportedly blue. They said that on the broadcast yesterday. Uh, and in terms of finger color, I would say blue is a bad one. Uh, red, not great, but fine. Pink, normal, uh, but blue, horrific. Don't have, uh, don't have blue fingers, and, and he does. Uh, so we will not be seeing him this spring training. Austin Wells, the Yankees' top-catching prospect, number four overall in the system, known mostly for his bat. Definitely needs to get those catching reps in defensively so the team can evaluate him so they can see if he's really made great strides in pop time and with his arm that like we've heard about. Uh, need to see it for ourselves. He started off this spring with some sort of pain in his side. 
Turned out to be a rib fracture. That was determined yesterday. He's out six to eight weeks. Uh, Josh Bro, now we're digging real deep. Like, I don't think any of you expect to see the non 40 man double A catching prospect with power who hasn't really translated it to the big league level yet. Uh, I don't think anyone was clamoring saying, oh, it's a huge spring for Josh Bro, but he's got elbow issues. He's out. So that leaves Carlos Narvaez, who walked off yesterday with a two out home run in the ninth. He's a prospect, never made it above Hudson Valley. Might end up catching every other day in the big league spring training camp for the rest of the month of March. Uh, Gary Sanchez still unsigned. I don't know if the Yankees need a third catcher or catcher at the minor league level. Uh, scary enough, that possibility is on the horizon simply because there are not bodies, bodies, bodies. What is this, an A24 production? Thomas Carinante, uh, what do we make of this? And, and how, how do you reconcile losing three catchers in a row like this? Insane. Um, it's classic Yankee stuff, though, especially um, early in the year when these random injuries start popping up. Um, and don't forget, guys, um, Jose Trevino was injured at the tail end of last year. His offense um, cratered a little bit, um, and we saw we saw um, unsavory results as he was dealing with whatever he was dealing with. So don't forget about that. I don't know if that's a lingering thing. We, we obviously don't know. Um, uh, if that would even carry on into this season, he's, he's supposedly been fine. Um, so we'll, we'll take solace in that. However, the biggest blow here is Austin Wells, um, solely because of the circumstances, right? You have Higashioka, um, as, uh, you know, playing for team USA. So that takes him out of spring training for a little while. Um, you have Rortvet who got injured, um, kind of in line with what he was, what his narrative was last year. And that would have given Austin Wells even more of an opportunity. So he would have had two ways to climb the ladder. And it's unfortunately for Josh Bro because then an, an opportunity opens for him after all of these situations. And now he can't do anything. Um, reached AAA last year, like you said. Um, I, I don't think he would have been ready to make any sort of impact. But um, anytime you're able to get reps with, you know, the big league team at spring training. Um, it's a huge positive. Austin Wells is the biggest bummer because we've been talking about him for a while. He's been heavily lauded as um, someone who'd be a fast riser because of his bat, um, lefty power bat. Um, another thing about him was that many believe, many scouts had initially believed that he would not be playing catcher um, at some point. Uh, he proved everybody wrong. He's been playing catcher his entire time over the last two years in the minor leagues. Um, and in speaking with uh, a number of reporters at spring training this year, he said him and the organization had never discussed his position change anyway. So it's pretty much been right line with, he, with what he's been doing, playing catcher, playing DH. And that could have had good value on the big league roster at some point this season. Uh, probably not opening day uh, because he still needs to probably he needs to make a little bit of an impact at Triple A. Um, but we liked where the bat was going. He was impressive at Double A Somerset last year, um, and everything that the the scouting reports and um, you know the expectations around him was kind of were all kind of coming to fruition. So that's that's the biggest bummer. I, I wonder how I need to know how these things happen because he comes to spring training, he's got a bruised rib. And he's paused from baseball activities and he tries to ramp up again. And then he can't because he's in too much pain. And then they do an MRI and it's a broken rib and he's out for two months. So it, it's insane how these things transpire. It, it feels like it's it's only Yankees because this is what we've been accustomed to for the last four or five years. Um, I know it happens elsewhere, but 
Um, hey, at this point, we sh- we're, we're thankful for the other young guys making an impact. Um, just a bummer because you could have had two younger guys get to move up the ladder because of unfortunate situations. And now you got nobody. Now the, the, the cupboard's barren at this point. Yeah, I think what I heard is he was diagnosed with a bruised rib and he was like, well, that must mean I'm unbreakable. So he was like, he was like, let's hit my rib. Let's see like how strong this damn rib is. And he was like, oh, no, I I cracked it by accident when I was uh, hitting my own rib with a mallet. Yeah, no, the word they leaked was that he was getting ready to ramp up again and he found himself on the trainer's table and he moved weird and, and felt it go. I mean, when your rib is broken, it, you know, you know, it's busted. You can't really do it. Doesn't it hurt when you breathe? It hurts constantly. It yeah. hurts when you sneeze. Like it, people with rib issues tell you not to make them laugh. Uh, so usually send people with rib issues to Jeff Dunham concerts. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. Um, and so I, clearly this is lingering and it was not something the Yankees could minimize. It's a shame. You're right. I had him as an unorthodox left field solution earlier in the offseason. That would have been very unorthodox because defense is not his specialty. He has not played left field at the minor league level. People sort of have long agreed like, hey, the bat plays. We don't know if he's a catcher. We don't know if he's a first baseman. We don't know if he can maybe occupy a corner outfield spot. Yankees obviously value defense in left field. So it was unlikely from the jump that he would get a chance to do that or uh, make the jump directly from double A AA to triple A too, because he is somebody who has not yet, you know, played in triple A Scranton. But all the narrative this offseason was uh, he's going to be somebody who uh, he has, he's been a catcher his whole career. Mm-hmm. He made that statement to the athletic, like he's going to be a catcher moving forward. Uh, no one has ever talked about him moving anywhere else. And uh, he was going to get a chance to shine in, in spring training, especially with Higashioka out to show that this was not a fluke that he wasn't just occupying the position because it was his default or the team was being nice to him and not moving him off. But knowing <laughs> someday he was claiming he'd shown tangible improvements and this was his opportunity to show that was true. And he's not going to get that chance. And we'll probably just have to report back to double a Somerset at this point. Um, the other uh, guy that I just feel like giving a positive hat tip to, because there are so many catcher issues is Narvaez who, yeah. uh, I read an article this morning on uh, uh, Brendan Cuddy for the Athletic wrote an article about the first time many Yankees put on the pinstripes, what it felt like. Just a nice puff piece. But there was a segment in there on Oswaldo Cabrera who said that uh, right out of camp, he, you know, he went to Yankees camp when he was 16 and his friends were also signed by the team. He was friends with Andre Shaparo and he was friends with Narvaez. Uh, both of whom have been with the big league club this spring training. Shaparo homered on the road in Dunedin. Narvaez homers yesterday, and he's going to get a significant number of these reps. He, he is, as soon as Higashioka leaves, uh, he is uh, someone who is 24 years old but has never spent time above high A. Played at Hudson Valley last year, showed off the pop, 7-10 OPS, 11 homers, and 79 games from catcher position, but, you know, 194 average. I would say probably not on the prospect radar entering spring training unless you go real deep in this shit. And uh, he gets the chance yesterday. Spring training games can end in a tie, as they should. Nobody wants the ghost runner in spring training. Two outs in the ninth, 2-2 game. We're one out away from this just going to the books as a tie. Jason Dominguez works a walk, because that's what Jason Dominguez does. Jason Dominguez clutch patience alert. Narvaez comes up as the final thing standing between a tie game and, uh, you know, uh, and uh, potential, you know, boredom for everybody. And he slams ball over the right center field fence and, and everybody goes home happy. So congrats to Carlos for seizing the opportunity. And 
it doesn't mean the Yankees are not going to have to grab another triple A catcher for depth purposes because Narvaez is not going from high A to triple A this year. But uh, for spring purposes, he's probably going to get a lot of reps and a chance to become a fan favorite. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I love these kind of stories and someone stepping up with this many depth issues is fun. Speaking of uh, not stepping up, um, is Josh Donaldson going to kick our ass because this is the, this is our uh, ticker and, and headline for the podcast episode. Probably. I saw oh, the waiting He's, he's Josh, in the waiting room. If you want to let him in. Yeah. Uh, um, he's, he's busting through the, uh, through the chat. He's trying to get in. Um, yeah. Anyway, Josh Donaldson spoke to the media, um, and I think this was ran by the New York Post. Um, they were talking about his struggles in 2022. Um, at this point, Yankee fans are not are not supportive of Josh Donaldson. He's he's pretty much a, uh, the close the 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 smallest step you can get above Aaron Hicks at this point um, because of how poor his offense was last year and how um, you know his behavior in that White Sox game kind of took the vibes off. Uh, it, it was just, it was awkward. And then he was never really the agitator that we were expecting him to be from that point forward. Um, because that, that, that threw everything off. I, I think that's the, the easiest way to put it. Um, I will never forget him at Ray's series at the end of the year when they were just getting stomped and he got caught in the dugout doing like, Oh, blah, blah. You guys, you chirping, you raise, you talk and the yeah. whole world was like, you've done nothing. And they yeah. lost that game 12 nothing. That was the Peraza game where he made his debut in the ninth inning of like an 11 nothing loss. Yeah. Uh, emblematic. He was. Yeah. Jeffrey Springs was like, I struck you out on four pitches. Like, what? What, what are you What yeah. are you saying to me? Um, anyway, they were, <laughs> and they were talking about Josh Donaldson's struggles in 2022. They asked him what, you know, could have been the problem. Um, uh, and this is this is being framed as an excuse because it's the easiest explanation in the book. He said that, you know, the slow start to the season, the uncertainty heading into 2022 after the lockout likely affected, um, you know, the manner in which he was able to latch on and get familiarized with his new environment and find his groove offensively. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that everybody dealt with that. Everybody had to adapt to that, even younger prospects who had a season canceled two years ago. Um, I look at a team like the Atlanta Braves um, who brought up Vaughn Grissom, Michael Harris, uh, two of the best rookies in the game. Um, they lost a full year in 2020. Um, they had to deal with the lockout as well in 2022. Um, they managed to excel. Um, I understand that, you know, some players later in your career, it's you become a creature of habit. You're in you're Josh Donaldson heading into year 12. He's ready to ramp up and do the same things he's always been doing. Um, so that had a bit of an interruption, but to have a career worst offensive season. And then to say that the delay in the year was the thing that affected you most or may have affected you most. Um, it doesn't really add up. And why doesn't it really add up? Because he started off the season kind of great. Defense was really good. Walked off the Red Sox on opening day, hit that clutch home run against the Orioles in the eighth inning. I think it was the two run shot. Um, that put them up four to two was another big win. You know how the Yankees lag in April and any sort of offense late in the game is always a positive. Um, and then his best season of the year was in May. So he managed to ingratiate himself to fans very nicely at the onset with those two clutch hits in the first two weeks of the season and no less opening day against the Red Sox. Like that buys you two months of time to deal with any sort of shit that you can imagine. You could have gone into the worst slump for the next two months and nobody would have cared. 
Um, and uh, then having May is your best season of the year. Um, and then you want to talk about the spring training ramp up, right? Um, veterans typically, as you get, you know, as you establish yourself as one of the better players in the game, you're not using spring training games to get geared up and make sure that you're ready for action. You're playing in some games here and there, you know, you're getting your feet wet. You're reminding yourself what game action is like, and then you're pretty much resting and hanging out. Donaldson played in, I think it was 10 spring training games last year. And, you know, if that was the problem with what he was trying to do in terms of ramping himself back up and getting back to normal, that also does not add up because in 2021, he played in 13 games with the twins that spring. And then, you know, 2020 was canceled, obviously. So he had zero games that year, just like the rest of everyone else. And then in 2019 with the Braves, he played in nine spring training games. So, there is no track record of Josh Donaldson over the last four years of getting a ton of reps in spring, making sure that he's getting involved in these games and seeing the pitching and acclimating himself properly. And in addition, in between there, he's had a change of scenery from, I think it was what Cleveland that year when the Jays got rid of him. And then he went to Atlanta and then he, Atlanta didn't resign. We went to the twins and then the, uh, and then the pandemic happened. So like there's been a lot of interruption and change of scenery in Josh Donaldson's career um, so especially recently. So now you look at how this kind of unfolded and you're like, the lockout was really your problem, dude. Like, I don't know if that was it. I think we could just be witnessing a really s- steep aging curve. And that's what we've kind of surmised at this point because a career worst offensive season, um, despite how good the defense was, I understand the defense was amazing, but you don't pay $25 million a year for that kind of defense. It's just not what it is. Um, if he was, if he was like a little bit above league average, like this is a really different team. Um, so I need, I I just need the story to get straight and I need a, hopefully a bounce back season. I don't think it's going to happen, but apparently I'm crazy for not thinking it's going to happen. Right. Right. Yeah. You're crazy. You're crazy, man. Uh, I mean, the, the aging curve makes all the sense of the world. Nobody backflips as many singles and doubles. If they think the ball is actually good. Like, how do you not know the ball's not going out at that point? It's September. You have to, your body now has to get used to the fact that, all right, the way I hit that baseball, it's no longer a home run. Used to be, maybe, when I was a little bit stronger, a little bit faster to react. But now it's not. It didn't get through Donaldson's head all year. He bat flipped a ball off the wall in the ALDS. He almost got thrown out on the base paths in game one of the ALDS against Cleveland. Never computed. Uh, if you're saying at this point that the the shortened spring training and the lockout affected you, what you're really saying is I didn't work very hard in the offseason. Like I, I heard there was a lockout. I didn't work as hard as I was supposed to. And, and then the lockout ended and I was unprepared. I was left holding the bag. And the Yankees get left holding that bag. Of course they did. Uh, if I never see Donaldson look at a pitch right down the middle and then shuffle in its general direction – with his feet and hit the bat on the plate again and adjust his gloves as if it's right on the outside corner. He loves to look at pitches down the middle like they're on the outside corner. That thing batters do when they're like, hmm, hmm, yeah, no, I guess, baby. I guess that was a strike. It's like, no, right down the middle. Curveball right down the middle. Uh, Donaldson, I tweeted this too. You really have to be a special brand of detested by your fan base and a special brand of, like, in the midst of a bad season for you to have the resume he did in clutch moments and for you to still be disliked and have people want you off the team walked off Red Sox twice 
hit a couple home runs at Fenway, hit a huge one in the game where Garrett Cole, uh, the Devers daddy game, where it was like 6 nothing to 6-5, and they won. Hit a big yeah. three-run shot early in that game. Hit the grand slam walk-off off the Rays that got this season back on track. Like, the Josh Donaldson clutch moments counter last year, even for the, like, worst, most uninteresting Yankees, if you have that many clutch moments, you're remembered positively. Neil Walker in 2018. Had some big home runs for that team, but he was not good, and he was allowed to leave after that season because he was not an integral part of the team. And I don't think a single fan will be like, man, Neil Walker was incredible. But you're also not going to hear a bad word about him. They're going to say he came in and he was clutch. He did what he had to do, even though you look at the numbers, not very great. Uh, Josh Donaldson last year walked off the Red Sox on opening day, walked off the Red Sox at the end of the season to nearly clinch a playoff spot, hit that raise walk-off granny, which was the biggest hit of last season, before the stand walk-off in the Judge 60 homer game. But one of the biggest regular season Yankees hits in recent years, stemming a big-time downturn all by himself in an extra game they had no business winning. And yet the prevailing wisdom and the correct prevailing sentiment is still, get this man off my team. It, it takes a <laughs> lot of bad will to undo all that goodwill. And this excuse-making is the latest example. And that's why people take so unkindly to Aaron Boone saying, if you don't believe in a bounce back, you're crazy. I know you have to defend your player, and and I know we understand what that is. And they're also trying to, you know, if somebody wants to take Josh Donaldson in a trade, they'd probably be willing to do it if somebody pays uh, handsomely and, and it eats a good deal of that contract. So you got to talk him up. But to demean the fans by saying, if you don't believe in a bounce back, you're crazy. After we just watched his batting eye erode, after we just watched his shoulder maybe get damaged, and after we watched him, you know, talk to the White Sox and ignite something he never should have ignited, 279 average, 371 OBP, 847 OPS, three homers, 10 RBI in 17 games last May. I'll take that. I'll take that. Followed by a 599 OPS in June, 584 in July, 759 briefly in August, and 646 in September, October. Got to be over 700 for all those months. 800's nice. 700's a necessity. Cannot be in the 500s, and that was the vast majority of his season last year. So as far as I'm concerned... Doesn't have that power anymore. It's, I mean, it sure seems like that. You look at the career averages for him, um, 131 OPS plus, 853 OPS. Last year, 682 OPS, 94 OPS plus. That is that – is, it, that's a drop-off is an understatement. That is a complete crater and um, explosion onto planet Earth after you know shooting through space for – for 50 years. It's the craziest thing you've ever seen. Um, and speaking of crazy, uh, everyone was going nuts yesterday, huh? Yeah. Drop this, this lineup. Uh, yeah. I, I want to calm people down here. And I was like ready yesterday to hop on the pod and be like, do a rational fan segment. And then Michael K had to start the broadcast. It was like, oh, I can't do it anymore. Cause now I'm panicked too. Yeah. I don't, I didn't hear what he said, but obviously people were, people were talking about that. Um, uh, he said that this could very well be the opening day lineup with uh, well, Trevino. Yeah, so, so the lineup, the lineup drops, and it's got everybody in the back half that fans don't really want to see. No Trevino because he had played the day before, so yeah. Higgy's in there. No Peraza because he had played the day before, so IKF's in there. Not a big deal. I mean, spring training Hawks, <laughs> spring training diehards know how this works. Like. Players don't play two days in a row. There's no reason somebody's got to play February 28th and March 1st. You drew the short straw, and you got IKF in there instead of Peraza and Trevino getting a day off. It is what it is. Aaron Hicks is in there. 
Donaldson is hitting fifth. And so Stephen Stanley Barbecue stirs the pot first. They're like, watch this be the opening day lineup, and all Yankee fans are going to freak out. Yankee fans take the bait because nobody takes the bait harder than Yankee fans, myself included. I've never seen a Twitter argument I don't want to get into, even though at the end of the day, I feel disgusting and I need a cold shower. Uh, Silkwood shower, maybe shower my own eyeballs to forget I ever did it. Uh, the Yankee fans took the bait. They're in the comments going, yes, I am panicking. <laughs> I'm absolutely panicked. I panicked already. Talking Jake from Talking Yanks, who we love. Um, and pretty rationally, Yankee fan is still like, I'm panicked. Like everybody was, everybody was responding. Blue Jays fans were calling the lineup washed. It was getting ugly. And I was like, calm down, everybody. Like Peraza's your shortstop. Trevino will obviously catch. Yeah, Hicks will probably play left field. But remember, Troy Tulowitzki was your opening day shortstop in 2019. DJ LeMay, he was on the bench. Even if Hicks plays left field, he's not the left fielder full-time, blah, blah. And then the game starts, and Michael Kay reads the lineup on Kyle Higashioka behind the plate. Uh, Isaiah Kiner, full effort in at short. And uh, stepping to the rubber, the Washington Nationals, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, uh, this very well could be, if you put Trevino in for Higgy, the opening day lineup. First pitch on the way. It's like, wait, whoa, no, what did you just say? Are you, are you serious? Like, I didn't even consider until that moment that IKF was still in the running for the starting shortstop game. Like, I don't know where you landed on this, but it felt like Peraza's job to lose. And what was he, what had he done to lose it so far? Absolutely nothing. Like IKF was leading off the road games. It was like IKF and Glaber Torres were the guys they were sending to Philly camp, like with the chum bucket back half of the triple a depth lineup. Like I'd never even considered he was really the, the front runner or the leader in the clubhouse. And Boone said some stuff yesterday because he always does. He's like, I don't want to start these, uh, you know, uh, spring camps with an idea in my head because now then you don't then you make it about who was the best during the spring. Uh, and I don't want to do that. I want it to be about our projections and, and the way that we view these races. And it's like, all right, well, that was gobbledygook. Like, obviously, you know who might start like you're not you're not getting your mind wiped by a men in black pen every day. You know who's in the run. You know who's got the higher upside. Uh, so that combined with the Michael K comment, just sort of offhandedly insinuating that our opening day shortstop could be IKF after he was, you know, a non-tender candidate a couple months ago. And at best, the utility guy who's worse than Oswaldo Cabrera that I was ready to say, don't panic. And now I'm kind of like not panicking yet. And Peraza is dominating today and on the road. And so is Anthony Volpe. But, uh, maybe Michael K was saying that offhandedly, but Michael K also knows up. So I don't know. Yeah. Could probably hedge your happiness there, right? Go back to the DraftKings offer, guys. Um, <laughs> bet $5 on any sport, get $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins. You bet IKF to be the opening day shortstop. Um, you're really mad, but then in the end, you get $150 just deposited right into your account. I don't even know if that's a bet. I do like using DraftKings, though. It is it is my preferred app uh, for betting. But folks in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut use the code um, YanksGoYard. Um, for this promotion. It's a minimum $5 deposit and wager is required. New customers only, 21 uh, years and older, and must be present in New York. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Gambling problem in New Jersey? Call text 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Connecticut, folks, you up there, you hear me? Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Um, damn, man. This got me. Uh, it got me like late at night though. It didn't get me during the day. Like you messaged me about it. We saw all that. Um, we saw all of the, uh, comments going through and I'm like, these are idiots. These are the dumbest people in the world. 
And then I sat back and I said, you know what? I'm the dumbest person in the world because the Yankees, why am I, why am I putting it past the Yankees to not do this? Mm-hmm. Because it's very much possible. And you, and it's possible because I understand we're only sat, spring training game started on Saturday. Today is Thursday. We are not at a point where anybody's running away with the position or the Yankees in this case would craft some sort of narrative to say, Oh, someone has the upper hand now, you know, we're banishing IKF where, you know, we're going to go, we're going to see what, uh, what a battle between Volpe and Peraza would look like at this point. Everybody's just being integrated. We're seeing how uh, certain players perform. There is some, there's some fit issues as well. They want to see what the middle infield would like, would look like with Volpe and Peraza. Um, But now, now you have to think if, Volpe's not ready for opening day, which he hits a home run today. I I think we're creeping closer to that argument kind of being turned in the other direction because I think he – I think there's a legitimate possibility there. That's not realistic, though. We'll get into that in a minute because the Yankees, I don't think, would do something that drastic. Um, But the fact that you go back and you look to last season and how Peraza was utilized, um, and that's still – like I kind of forgot about that for a moment. I was like – Oh yeah, no, Peraz is like the shoe in. And then you look back and it's like, wait, the Yankees didn't call him up until rosters expanded. And then he proved to be good, both offensively and defensively. And they didn't use him as much as they probably should have uh, down the stretch in an important season when they were, you know, trying to achieve the ultimate goal of winning a championship. And he was clearly a better option than IKF. Um and then this offseason, when you have Brian Cashman, who never says stuff like this, says Anthony Volpe will be in line to compete for the shortstop job uh, opening day. So I'm not saying that there is a lack of confidence in Oswald Peraza, but I am saying that there are warning signs that that may be the case. Um, and if they are going to start IKF opening day um, and use Peraza as a bench piece, um, I don't think it's out of the question now that I've kind of relived this entire scenario in my head. Um, I know that the back-to-back days is not really a thing in spring training, and this is this is not a legitimate reason to actually panic, but you just go back and you look at how the Yankees have historically made these decisions, especially over um, you know the last few years with the younger players, and they don't have a good track record of doing it. So in revisiting all of that, they would kind of have to do a 180 in order to make this amenable to Yankees fans. Like you start Peraza opening day or you start Volpe opening day and IKF is either um, a roving bench player. Apparently he's going to play outfield now. Maybe he's starting at third base uh, for Josh Donaldson opening. Like, I don't know. I don't know what any of the scenarios are, but um, I am a little bit concerned now. I had some sweats before going to sleep last night. I'm not going to fully let it get to me, but now I have to keep the possibility in the back of my head to be disappointed on opening day. The thing with IKF is <clears throat> I don't even think he's a bad player. No. Uh, and and people are in our mentions. <laughs> We've been accused of being like the IKF lovers. I don't really understand that. He's, he is exactly what he is. He's an average single hitter who hits 265 and uh, hit, like, three home runs last year. Like, I don't know how you could praise at the church of IKF, but he's fine. The issue is, for a team with championship aspirations and an infield roster crunch, with Peraza, Volpe's about to feed, Gleyber Torres, 
DJ LeMahieu, Josh Donaldson, Anthony Rizzo, Oswaldo Cabrera. There are so many better options. There are two infields worth of Yankees infield options, and ICAF is the worst one. He'll, he'll get a starting role on a lower division team somewhere, I'm sure. But right now, like, I'm really saying, like, we got to keep Volpe in the minors because he's got to be our utility guy. <coughs> Cabrera, stay in the minors. Like, we it's need him somewhere sick, else. I'm nauseous. I'm feeling <laughs> my mouth. Uh, and like we need uh, like Glaber Torres is going to get traded. Really? Like we can't find room for Glaber Torres, but we're, we are going to start Isaiah Connor Valefa at shortstop on opening day. That's where the nonsense jumps in. Cause I don't know if we have room for Glaber Torres. It's a sad reality. I don't know. His future in the Bronx isn't even up for debate at this point, unless something crazy happens with Volpe and Peraza. He doesn't have one, uh, but they're saying get rid of him this year in a year where we can't afford to sacrifice offense. But Kiner Falefa is just grandfathered in and might start on opening day. That's where it gets wonky for me. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. Um, it's certainly wonky. And I think things get even wonkier. Well, here we um, go. Here's the way that – Here's here the, the way we can get super wonky, folks. Um, Monday uh, – I don't know. Did this – this happen – after the pot on Monday, I don't even remember. Um, I don't know if we mentioned it, but the Dodgers lost their starting shortstop for the season. Gavin Lux, unfortunately, tore his ACL in a Monday game, spring training game um, against the San Diego Padres. Uh, he was running to third base. There was a ground ball to third. The third baseman fired it over to second. He did a little juke move because I guess he thought the third baseman was right in his line to throw. Um, the third baseman was actually uh, well prepared and didn't even come close to Lux, but Lux's little sidestep, they tripped over his ankle, locked his knee. It was, it was nasty. Um, either way, the Dodgers got the MRI results on Wednesday morning um, or Tuesday morning, whatever it was. Um, he's out for the season. Now, the Dodgers actually have a legitimate problem. They did a lot of downgrading this offseason. They had a number of guys leave. Uh, Trey Turner's gone. Justin Turner's gone. Uh, Cody Bellinger's gone. Tyler Anderson's gone. This team got worse. They made... Uh, still, I think a number of solid moves to remain competitive, but not good enough. They traded for Miguel Rojas, who was supposed to be the utility infielder. He's now going to be elevated to the starting shortstop role. Um, and that's going to put Chris Taylor, apparently their utility player, who's mostly not a shortstop, more second base outfield, um, than that. And third base, um, as the backup, uh, the most important position on the field, um, is now going to be manned by a player head and I like Miguel Rojas a lot. I actually would wanted him on the Yankees last year to be the backup or like a bench player. But as your starter, he's heading into his age 34 season. He's coming off the worst offensive season of his career. He did deal with a wrist injuries though. So that's a caveat there. But then again, underwent wrist surgery this off season. I don't know if that's going to help, you know, get him off to a quick start this year. Remember the surgeries. It takes a while. It takes a couple months. Um, so now you look at the Dodgers situation, right? They don't have a utility guy in the event Rojas is starting. So does IKF become a possibility for the Dodgers to trade for IKF can play, you know, three of those infield positions where the Dodgers 
by the way, have uncertainties all over the place. They're starting Miguel Roja. Uh, I'm sorry, Miguel Vargas at second base. He's never played. He's played what two minor league games at second base. It's not um, his position. Like we thought that was the crazy thing at yeah. the season, and now that's like the normal thing. Yeah, and he's looked good there, admittedly. But you have him at second. You have Rojas, an aging option at shortstop, and you have Max Muncy at third, who he can play third base, but that's not his full time position. So you're running into this situation where you have a lot of guys not in their positions of you know the utmost strength so that's where ICAF can come in as a utility option now I this is I guess this is what happened to me when I got my my hot sweats last night about Peraza we're watching Volpe emerge we'll get to Volpe in a minute but home run today dazzling defense yesterday incredible debut over the weekend what if there is an absolute crazy scenario where the Yankees say you know what Volpe you're the opening day starting shortstop because after watching him at shortstop I don't see a reasonable – I don't see why you would move him to second base, especially over over Peraza, who he's a less – you know, he, he's, he's a lesser regarded prospect than Volpe, and Volpe throughout, you know, the last few years has been regarded as the shortstop of the future. So why are you going to jerk around Volpe for Peraza, who was never really regarded as anything? And I'm not saying, like – He's not capable of that, but Volpe has been the guy. That's just been what the discourse is. It's but it's been what's coming out of the Yankees organization. It's what's coming from scouts, pundits, everybody you can imagine. If you're following the Yankees, that's what it is. So if there is a situation where they want to elevate Volpe um, and they want to keep IKF in a utility role because they know that that's where his strengths are, do you call the Dodgers and pitch a Peraza for Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone trade? Um, the Dodgers have – a glut of top prospect pitchers. I know they like all of them, Dodgers fans. Relax before you start freaking out. I know how you are. But if you need a shortstop at this point, remember the Dodgers have nobody beyond this. They traded their number 15 prospect, Jacob Amaya, shortstop for Miguel Rojas. In the pipeline, the next guy they got down is Eddie's Leonard. He's only appeared at high A. Of course. He, he's not going to be there until 2024. So – and if 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 it actually pans out, remember the prospects are never uh, prospects never are sure things. And you look at a guy like Peraza who proved what he had to prove in AAA. There's nothing else to prove there, right? Came up to the MLB level, actually had a good cameo. I think played well as well as you could as a rookie, being thrusted into uh, uh, postseason action. So if the Yankees do view, uh, you want to talk about taking advantage of a trade asset and a surplus the Yankees have a ton of shortstops in the running or middle infielders in the running to make the opening day roster and then they have like three more in the farm system uh Trey Sweeney Roderick Arias um as uh others who they they would have uh, they, they would be able to absorb the depth with so um I don't know how desperate the Dodgers are to fill the shortstop role I don't know if they want somebody like you know Peraza's profile I know they value the defense a lot but Peraza's also look good on defense um and and here's the other thing: the Dodgers have not spent on these last two free agency classes, right? They passed on Correa, they didn't re-sign Turner, uh, Trey Turner, they didn't re-sign Corey Seager. Um, what are what are they going to do? The next two free agent classes for shortstops are not good. Um, so I think this could be an opportunity where they could swap top prospects. The Yankees can help out the rotation a little bit because you're losing Luis Severino, you're losing Frankie Montas. Not that it matters, but you're losing bodies, and the Yankees completely gutted the top end of their farm system with pitching over the last two uh, trade deadlines. So 
I don't know how you feel about this, but it wouldn't be crazy to me if we started hearing rumors. Um, it's a good match. They, they, these teams made a deal last uh, trade deadline. Uh, Joey Gallo, Clayton Beater. I know the Dodgers didn't get the best of that, but um, there's a familiarity here. Um, Andrew Friedman's a smart guy. Brian Cashman's been around for a while. I think they can level with each other and figure it out. Um, but, uh, you know, you want to talk about two teams that are contending in different leagues and have high expectations every year. Why not? Why not scratch each other's backs here? Why not? That's why we kept trading Peraza to Miami last year for Pablo Lopez and for Oakland and the original original Montas deal before that actually went down because you can never have too many prospects at one position. Don't, you know, don't just go crazy trading someone because oh, we have this other guy at double A. But when you have two of them with almost the same timeline, yeah, Peraza and Volpe both playing shorts up, and you just well, we gotta move on to them in a second. That's how we'll deal with it. Now you could trade from that position of strength especially if you do have Trey Sweeney, who's not too far behind, and Roderick Arias, who's well down the pipeline. So you're covered at almost every level, like the lowest of the low. The mid, like Sweeney will be a double-A player this year. Volpe and Peraza both ready to contribute at the major league level. And Glaber Torres already at the major league level and 26 years old. I- I'm not really in favor of Jettison and Glaber Torres. I'm sorry. And I understand that He's not going to sign long-term here, probably, because of the infield glut, because LeMahieu did. But this is a championship-contending team, or at least it's supposed to be. That type of team doesn't get rid of talent like that. And when they do, they usually see it backfire. Remember when the 2021 Red Sox thought they were stacked in the outfield coming off an ALCS appearance? And we're like, we'll trade Hunter Renfro. We'll save some money. Oh, how do you replace Hunter Renfro's 30 homers? Oh, we just won't. Oh, (laughs) Oh, you got worse. Like that's how it goes. You're like, oh, we can actually afford to trade this guy because we don't know if we believe in them long term. He's not going to be here next year or the year after that. So we might as well trade him and get some more prospect capital. Okay, great. How do you absorb his role this year if you intend to be good? Oh, we're not going to do that. We're just going to get worse. Oh, bad idea. And that's what the Red Sox did last year. And that's what it kind of feels like the Yankees will do unless they go right to Volpe at second base. Because uh, yeah. if they trade Glaber Torres for some pitching help or for some prospects, because eh, we're not going to extend him anyway, you're letting a top 10 offensive second baseman just walk off the roster. And the replacement had better be your number one prospect. Because if it's like IKF at short, Peraza at second, or LeMayhew, IKF, Donaldson, you've just made the team worse. Uh, I think this is very intriguing. We've seen the Blue Jays do this recently. They have three catchers. They traded Gabriel Moreno for a left a left fielder who everybody believes in, in Dalton Varsho. I don't care about Dalton Varsho. I don't want to talk about him again until he plays the Yankees and walks us off. But other teams <laughs> do this. The, the Yankees equivalent of what the Blue Jays did would be trading Peraza for instant help elsewhere. Uh, so we shall see. I, I, I do think at this point a prospect for prospect swap, like a Peraza for Bobby Miller makes more sense than Peraza for a hypothetical five starter. Yeah. I don't think that's very no. valuable. Um, we're seeing Peraza go off this spring. He looks very comfortable. He's considered a better defender than Volpe. Uh, Volpe maybe a future third baseman, people have said. Uh, but right now, the honor of being the shortstop for the New York Yankees, it would make sense if it went to Volpe. He is the guy who was photographed with Derek Jeter as a child. He is the New Jersey boy like Jeter was, who grew up a Yankee fan, who is ready for this honor. Uh, I'm sure he won't care if it's second or short, but I'm also sure he'll be able to step up and man short, which uh, leads us right into 
a recurring segment that we're probably gonna have on every episode of this podcast until he gets called up and then we'll probably have it twice per episode anthony volpe thomas and adam uh adam and thomas gush about anthony volpe some more we're we're ready to we're ready to gush about him some more because you know what what more do you need to see this spring this is basically a segment where we're going to talk about other winners of spring training and people who've shown up so far and shown off a couple other names come to mind my guy rafael ortega is having the day today two run homer and a triple uh, I would uh, him over Aaron Hicks 10 times out of 10, please. And thank you so much. Wani Peralta, the pitch clock is his friend. He struck out the side today. He was just toying with hitters going dummy style, making them look very stupid. But Anthony Volpe has done it all. We talked on Monday's pod about how he had a 105 mile an hour line out single that he turned into a double another single where he stole second on a pitch out and stole third. Comes home, plays the primetime game on Monday, doesn't really do much. Actually hits into two double plays. It's like, okay, fine. Roll your eyes. Yesterday against the Nationals, comes in, doesn't do much on offense. Over for 2 with a K. But he makes a diving play at short, and he makes another heady play at short, second and third, one out, gobbles up a grounder and throws against the lead runner at third, tricks the runner coming up from behind and gets two outs on the play. Tags the runner sliding into second base. It's hard to see examples of baseball IQ. You just have to trust people. You have to trust Brian Cashman being like, man, that guy is a really smart guy. You just have to nod along. <laughs> like, yes, I agree. I'm sure that he is. But we saw it in action yesterday. And then today, he's leading off on the road against Mitch Keller at Pirates Camp, the presumptive opening day starter for the Pirates, and a breakout candidate who people are talking up. So, oh, right. There's this former top prospect who throws 97, who's developing this new pitch. We forgot about him in Pittsburgh. He's the new pirates guy that people are going to try to steal garrett cole a la volpe greets him with a 99 mile an hour homer to left center field i uh, picked up another infield hit over the course of this game too two for three average at 364 so far in spring camp this is his first big league camp and he does something different that's exciting in a different way every time you you watch him uh the the numbers speak for themselves if you didn't already know he was special uh, you probably would after reading his minorleaguebaseball.com profile, but when you watch him, it hits a different level. We said this last pod, we're saying it again now. He finally hit his first dinger of the spring about an hour ago, and uh, yeah, the power is real too. It is. It's all. And uh, first of all, I remember probably two years ago um, when the Yankees were just completely flat. Um, and needed to make a trade uh, in the off season. It was it was like before um, the 2020 season started, before anything that we knew was going to happen. Um, and uh, uh, even when Volpe like started to come on in 2021, like everyone was calling him untouchable. Um, and I'm pretty famous for saying that no prospect is untouchable because yeah. unless they're at AAA, completely blowing the doors down, like. Someone dominating at high A is awesome. That's great. That is not indicative of what they're going to do two or three years down the road against the best talent in the world. Um, Anthony Volpe, I love looking like an idiot. Anthony Volpe has made me look like an idiot. He is fully untouchable. Um, I did agree, however, with not trading him for Luis Castillo, so at least I have that um, on my resume at this point. Um, I don't know what else anybody would need to see from Anthony Volpe. I'm not saying he needs to be starting opening day. I'm just saying in terms of what more do you need to understand about his skill set, um, about the hype around him, about the expectations around him? There is nothing. Five-tool player. He's exhibited all of those tools. 
in a very short period of time. And don't forget, the game that he debuted in this spring against the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays were playing six of their nine starters in that game. Stole two bags, got got two hits, ripped the ball, you know, ripped the ripped a hundred and nine mile an hour line drive, hundred five hour uh, mile an hour line drive, whatever it was. Another like he got Mitch Keller today, right? That's a yeah, brand. Game. That's a professional pitcher. The other, the Blue Jays game, he ripped a single off Nate Pearson, yeah. top prospect, throwing 101 at the chest. And that was the guy the announcers were gushing about. Like, oh, man, remember Nate Pearson? He's back and he's throwing 101. Volpe's like, I don't care. I'm flicking it in a right. It's a single. Yeah. I, I can do this too. Yep. Um, Nate Pearson was former, you know, former top prospect as well. Uh, the Blue Jays are trying to integrate him into the bullpen. Um, as you know, one of their, one of their bridges to the ninth inning, that's a, again, a legitimate major league baseball player who has, you know, some sort of path to a regular role. And that's the upgrade that you're looking for when these younger players are emerging. Can they handle double A? Great. Can they handle the elevated triple A? Okay, great. Now can they handle, you know, either some major league talent or fringe triple A major league talent? Great. Anthony Volpe has done that this thus far and has been able to handle major league talent, um, in terms of, uh, you know, playing defense and fielding major league hits. Got a home run off a, off a true major league pitcher today. Um, so I don't know what else, uh, I guess, critics of Anthony Volpe would need to see. Again, this is, not, um, this is not me saying he has a stamp on the opening day spot. I think this is creating more of an argument. We still have three, four weeks left of spring training, a little bit less than that. I think that what if he keeps doing this for two more weeks? I don't know. Like, if I'm the general manager, I am probably keeping him there and forcing an issue for opening day. I don't think you have a choice. I think for someone like Volpe, who has had these expectations, who has this skill set, he knows about all of this. He knows the pressure that's heaped upon him. I think that if he has this good of a spring against the requisite talent that he needs to prove himself against, I think sending him to Scranton, fucking Pennsylvania, is something that would mess with his mind. I mean, I don't, I don't know for sure. I Honestly, he's kind of resilient, and he, once again, has been very selfless about this entire thing. He's talking about how he'll do whatever he wants to do or he'll do whatever the organization wants him to do so they can win. But at the same time, he's a competitor. You heard the story at the end of the season when he promised his dad he was going to take time off uh, because he had a long two years um, – uh, you know, grinding through the Yankee system. And then he got the call from Cashman and Cashman said, you're in the running for the opening day starting shortstop role. And Volpe did not take a fucking break. He went right back into his offseason routine. Uh, his dad called. I think he left the house. It was like 530 in the morning and his dad heard the garage open. And he's like, Anthony, where are you going? He's like, well, I mean, I might start for the Yankees next year. So uh, fuck the deal we had. I'm not I'm not deal. I'm not doing that anymore. Um, so I don't know. I'm always a big psyche guy with these types of things. I don't like to mess with people's heads. Um, I, I think if he continues to have a really good spring and he's exhibiting all of these tools, as we get deeper into spring too, remember the rosters are going to narrow players who are not going to be in the mix. will get optioned down to minor league camp. will get sent back to, you know, wherever they won't be playing with um, the big boys anymore. If Volpe can remain up and still deliver the results that he needs to deliver, it's a disservice to everybody. If he goes to Scranton. And I, I just think it's that simple. So keep it simple, stupid. The only thing I think we need to change, we just get him a better jersey number. By the time he gets here, 
I don't care. Can you be number 77? I'm, I'm, I'm eyeing another reason to trade Isaiah Kiner Falefa is I'm eyeing number 12. Get me that Volpe 12. Okay. Uh, Jeter 2, okay. right? We had, we had two decades of Jeter 2. Uh, just add the one to the two. You could also make them 11. One plus one is two. But I think the clean look of Volpe 12 is what we need. Uh, Wade Boggs was 12 when he rode the horse. 96 World Series vibes. Uh, number one on my. Yeah, Jimbo's right. He cannot wear 77. It's ridiculous. Clint Jackson <laughs> Frazier. I like it. 77. I think it's, it's borderline strange. I mean, Jason Dimingas with like 96, too. Like, can we? I understand why we've got that, but uh, can we just not? Like, I'm just, just not going to do that. Uh, I like 12. I, the Boggs, the Boggs riding the police horse is really like my number one piece of memorabilia that I need that I don't have. Do you have any like bucket listy? man cave things that you're just like why don't i own that yet like I, i've been chasing after it i'm eyeing the uh the hall of fame the company doing the signings of the hall of fame this summer is announcing in the next couple of weeks who's going to be there and i'm like refreshing the page every day to see if box is going to be there because i just got to get that fucking horse pick yeah no i'm not i, w- I don't have i never really had a man cave i'm not into that type of stuff um i don't know why just never really never really crossed my mind i guess it's because i'm on DraftKings all the time just gambling um, that's where, that's what I'm spending my money on, but no, we do collect baseball cards. I, 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 so I guess I could maybe check back with in with me in a couple months after, you know, we round off this, uh, baseball card collection after the, the top series one, I'm going to, going to try to get some new, new ones in there, make the binder a little bit more hefty and then, and then see where we're at. But no, nah, I'm not really, I don't, I'm not into collecting a whole lot of memorabilia. Thomas and I both opened boxes of the series one for a dedicated viewers. Uh, they both sucked. Not yeah. good. I got a, uh, like a spicy looking green ice parallel. I was so excited. It's Kevin Kiermeyer, the worst. Thomas got an autograph. Oh my God, those are so hard to pull. Marco Gonzalez, Seattle Mariners. Uh, Who wants on, it? It's on eBay. If anybody wants it, track him down. <laughs> if you're into a 2023 tops, Marco Gonzalez auto. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's readily available. If you want to take this offline, just yeah. uh, hit us up in the comment section or leave us a review on the Apple podcast for the Go Yard podcast. Let us know. I'm sure we can handle that. Uh, take that business to snail mail. That is it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. It's been a triumphant week of spring training baseball for the New York Yankees. Uh, obviously, that is inherently a contradiction. Who cares about spring training results at the same time? Pretty damn fun. There's a lot of talent here. And hopefully it all stays intact. Uh, the bullpen game, all the bullpen arms showed up today and shoved. Everybody just stay in bubble wrap. If you're a Yankees catcher, maybe take out an extra life insurance policy on yourself. Because we need you, folks. Uh, Mr. Narvaez, stay safe. That is it for this edition of the pod. You can find it if you missed the live feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or literally wherever you get your pods. We recommend you hit the subscribe button right now, though, and join us at 2 o'clock Eastern every Monday and Thursday, all off-season long, all season long. Shout out to our producer, Joanne, for keeping things running today. We really appreciate it. Uh, Seamless and smooth and enjoyable as hell. Um, Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. You can find us at yanksgoyard.com. Our bylines are there. You can just head back on over to Twitter. We are at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at yanksgoyardfs. Uh, we got a lot of content coming. Spring training is uh, giving us a lot of ideas, a lot of talking points. You guys are talking a lot. We are trying to turn that into content for you. We're trying to get the community engaged. That's the whole goal of this. Um, so keep your keep your uh, words of wisdom coming. Um, and uh, we have a full weekend of spring training games. 
So enjoy yourselves. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday. We'll be right here, 2 p.m. Eastern Live. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.